Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. We are just about out of the FIFA break and ready to resume regular NWSL action, so we are recording. Gab, what are you drinking? Water, water, water. Same. If it if it's any consolation, I'm also having a, an edible. Oh, wow. Very Portland of you. I know. Well, I'm trying, I use them for pain management. Oh. Um... And so I'm really hoping to get some good sleep tonight and not be waking up in pain throughout the evening. So that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Mm. All right. Good luck, buddy. Um, You're also drinking water? Uh, yeah, but I added, you know, those little flavoring things you can squeeze into the water, and it's it's no calories. It's just the flavor. What flavor are you drinking? Strawberry something. I decided to try it out. It's okay. It just makes it taste yeah. like weak juice. Like really weak cheap juice i just i don't know if i'd be down with that like i i totally get down with cucumber water or a lemon in the water or something like that you know Uh yeah like weak juice maybe i'll try to be fancy i'll buy some like real limes and lemons and put that shit in my water and you know i i think that's very adult like like i'm staying at a marriott inn or something you know Uh (laughs) all right so it's been, by the time this comes out, it'll have been about two weeks because of the FIFA break. It was a nice little vacation, but I'm ready for NWSL again. But God, I'm ready for a fucking home game. We need to recap the scores from last weekend and go over who did better in their predictions. Are you ready? We predicted a lot of goals. We predicted a lot of goals that didn't happen until the very end. Like, Houston, Utah, 0-0. I had five goals in that match. Yeah, at least I only predicted that would be a 2-1 game for Utah, but still, we were both really wrong. (laughs) See, we needed that game. We just, we loaded, we front-loaded all of our goals, and we should have back-loaded all of our goals. Maybe everybody took a little time to warm up. So, this is not a, an advertisement, but I got a shout out that DuckTig brand that, like, Tiffany Weimer and some other players, they sell those uh, soccer notebooks. Okay. Uh, they have and you the, bought one? Well, I bought one, yeah, at the uh, NSCA, USC convention, whatever. And they have a larger one where it's, like, the page has the soccer field pre-drawn on it. And uh-huh. then the other side is, like, a blank grid for notes, and it's just glorious when you have to keep track of a lot of games, write down a lot of info about, you know, formations, goal scorers, subs. Um, I really like it. So if they want to sponsor us, that would be great. But um, Or if you just want to send stuff, like a five-pack I mean, of the notebook. I mean, I currently have four of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Because I'm, you know, writing down every single NWSL game. And so each notebook has, like, about 100-plus pages. So I think one or two should be enough to get me through the season. But, yeah, I I like to... <laughs> I like to have spares. Anyway. Of course you do. And what do you... What is it called? A duck? A tick? Duck tig? Duck tig, I think? D-U-K-T-I-G? 
Where'd they come up with that name? I think it's Swedish. It's probably on their website. Yeah. Have you been keeping up with how, like, Monashim is doing with Houston? Um, a little bit. Um, I haven't, haven't seen a lot out of her, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's taking a little while. For Houston, the most interesting players for me right now are Christy Mewis and Rachel Daly. Really? Yeah. Um, Vera Powell has moved them back into her left and right back, respectively. And honestly, they're kind of killing it. It's early days, but, like, poor Christy Mewis has played just about everywhere on the left you can ask her to play. Now she's playing left fullback, and she's not that bad at it, honestly. The wildest thing, I think, was would be, so right now, what's one of the things that the women's national team needs most? It needs depth at outside back. What if Christy Mewis played her way back into the national team by turning out to be a really good left back? That I mean, stranger things have happened. I wouldn't be upset with that, honestly. Who, who are players that have made their way back? Um, That's a tough one. I mean, Megan Rapino was out for a little while, but I think that was kind of a post-injury slump combined with politics, sort of. Uh-huh. Emily Sonnet, she's uh-huh. kind of played her way back in. Did Shannon Box, Boxy, Shannon Box play her way back in? That's you're asking yeah. me to remember too far back. Like I can. I, I feel. I feel like there was a gap. I feel like she had a gap year. Hmm. Crystal Dunn, kinda. Crystal Dunn. Oh, yeah. Sam Hughes could do it. Yeah. I think that would be cool, because we've got a little bit of an outside back problem, which we'll get to in a moment, but yeah, Mewis and Daly. You Houston. you know who's not on your short list of Houston players that are of interest? Campbell. Jane Campbell. We better watch what we say, or else Ange in Portland is going to come for both of us. <laughs> Well, I know. She, she, I, I have immunity, though. Oh, okay. Well, you have immunity, but I don't. <laughs> it's not like you're coming to visit in a month or anything. Less than a month, dude. I know. I'm super excited. Uh, super excited. Yeah, Jane Campbell. I, I mean, we'll get to her, too, when we talk about these national team friendlies. Ugh. I've seen some critical comments that what happens at Houston maybe shouldn't be counted against players. But at the same time, I think that's changing. I really think Vera Powell's working hard to change the culture and the play style there. So once again, they've only had two games so far. So I don't think it's super accurate to be judging performances and results yet. But it was still 0-0. Which I guess it was 0-0. Which is better than losing, I guess. You know, if you're Houston, so... It is better than losing. I would say Houston is playing with a different um, attitude mm. this season. Uh, they're, you know, they they aren't giving up. They're um, they're playing an interesting possession game. You know, I I had predicted Houston being on the bottom of the table and and all sorts of different stuff. And Vera, for whatever reason, she's I can't tell if. It's just players are excited about the new season, new opportunity, or if it really is a Vera thing. I think we need more more time. We need more time in this one. If Houston does end up at the bottom, it won't be without one hell of a fight, I think. 
Uh-huh. It's not going to be sad, like, here we go. This is where we belong, in the garbage. Womp womp. <laughs> uh, the next game that we got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina 1, Sky Blue 0. Sky-, Sky Blue put up more of a fight than I thought, and North Carolina was not as sharp as I thought they would be. No, North Carolina looked almost tired. Yeah, I mean, I, at least I predicted they were going to win, because I said 2-0 and you said 1-1. All right, all right, uh, smarty pants. It's just a fact, but I smarty pants. I really thought North Carolina would, uh, because they it wasn't like a a decisive goal. They scored that in the ninety second minute, it right? Last it was a last gasp goal with Jess McDonald, who was relatively fresh because she came on in the fifty fifth minute. So. And she kind of like walked it in. I mean, it was a it was a good goal from her. I think she what she like juked the no no no. It was that ball from Hinkle, right? It was perfectly weighted, and I don't think McDonald even touched it. Like Hinkle like boots it up on the ground, and it just kind of curves into McDonald's path, and she just takes it and scores with it. It was a very beautiful ball. It it was a beautiful ball. It was it was a desperation goal, but it didn't it didn't feel like a hail mary. Mm-hmm. You know, it it felt it felt rushed. It felt like oh god, we need this to happen, but um, it didn't it didn't feel totally accidental. It it was be- it was a beautiful goal. That game was also interesting because Paul Riley was trying to shift things around to make things happen, which meant he dropped Dunn kind of into that playmaker role and the theme this season so far with crystal dunn has been she's not getting consistent playtime in one spot she'll do whatever her team needs her to do and she won't complain and she'll do it really well but it's maybe to the detriment of her overall contribution you know what i'm saying Uh they're asking her to be really good in a lot of places instead of great in one place what about what Crystal Dunn's uh, commentary was um, while she was playing for the national team this week? She gave an interview, several interviews. Um, there was a really good one with WRL sports fan, I think. And then another shorter one closer to the game with Stars and Stripes um, where Charles only asked her about, you know, you've been moved around. She's basically like, you know, I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. She did acknowledge, you know, maybe it's a little frustrating to not get consistent minutes in one place, especially her preferred place where she seems to have the most proficiency. But, you know, she doesn't think about it too much. She just does it. But maybe- I, I saw an interesting compare and contrast of um, playing in the U.S. versus playing in Europe. She, I mean, she acknowledged that she seems to have come back from Chelsea an even more intelligent player. I wouldn't say she was super one-dimensional before she left but i think she feels that she has more of a mastery of the tactical side now which once again enables her to do things like drop into the 10 or float wide or act as your nine or play as your left back so it's a case of her being too smart now maybe she should kick up a fuss you know i just wonder if being left off the roster in 2015 despite having a lights out year has made her kind of shy about making any kind of fuss or saying you know actually coach I really think I need consistent time because maybe there's like a subtle undercurrent of fear like what if I get left off again because clearly 
I can play to the very best of my abilities, like be the leading scorer in the league, and it still won't pan out for me. So I better like buckle down and do what my coach wants. Maybe. I mean, she has been burned. Um, you, you hope that Crystal Dunn has established herself in such a way where she, she doesn't have to play with that fear. I mean, you don't, you don't want to be hamstrung, 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 yeah. hamstrung. Yeah, you don't want to be hamstrung in a, a particular position. And at the same time, I mean, you, you have to advocate for yourself. Nobody else on that team is going to advocate for Crystal Dunn. Nobody else on that team is going to advocate for Jeff McDonald or any other player. Um, players have to get better at that. And I, I don't know if that's a women's game issue, if that's a she's a little gun shy type of thing, but you know, there are certain players that do a really good job of advocating for themselves, do a really good job of making their case and others that are shy or, or less confident about making a case or, or maybe they don't see what the impact could be. I I don't know, but I, I do think that players can get better at, advocating for themselves let's see and then the third game that we fucking got wrong (laughs) although i think you got it more right than i did it was washington spirit two orlando pride zero and you at least guessed washington would score two and beat orlando i said i said orlando was going to score two to washington's one wait what was the score it was washington beat orlando two nothing so i got that one mostly right just about right Yay! That one was interesting. I wasn't expecting Washington to show up that way. I kind of was, but I was also thinking Orlando was going to show up a little bit, and they really didn't. Right? I was like, where Who? Where was Marta? Marta's with Brazil. She's with the Brazilian national team. But she was with Brazil for that match. She went to Brazil before the FIFA window started? Yeah, before this match. Oh, well, I hadn't realized. And maybe this is a good thing. The whole match, I was like, where's Marta? I think that's a question that a lot of people ask. and And I was doing that because she wasn't playing. I mean, they didn't have Alex Morgan either. So they're... The main thrust of their attack was having to come through Sid LaRue, and Sid is just not really going to produce more than, you know, one goal every three or four games, if that, right now. That's that's her production I mean, rate. It's, it's always awesome to hear commentators who don't follow the match talk about Sidney LaRue. Like, Sidney LaRue is like the litmus test. You know what I mean? Like, like if they're still stuck the, in her the, national team narrative? Yeah. Yeah, like, are you stuck in 2013, or are you following today? There's no denying she's a gutsy, tough, you know, 90-minute player who will give you her all, but we were just talking about Crystal Dunn, who talks about wanting to constantly involve and learn, and she managed to add dimensions to her game, and Sid LaRue hasn't, so what else can you do? Nothing. I think I see LaRue trying, especially with Tom needing her to drift into different positions. I think I see her trying, and she she's not succeeding yet. 
I think I think she's open to um, pushing the limits, but I also think that Sydney Lerner is a little bit one trick pony. Ooh, I mean, there's if you look at the way Larue plays now in the league over the past season and the opening of this season, I think it's fair to say she's not breaking into the current pool of attackers. Oh, correct. Even correct. not the, even the young kids, which Spirit, Pew, and Hatch, those two are going to have a really good season. Yeah. Those were the goal scorers for Washington. It was late, but Pew scores 80th minute. Uh, she nutmegged Ashlyn Harris. Whoops. And then Hatch in the 88th minute. Yeah, it was a bad turnover in the box, but, you know, right right place, right time. They they break through and are able to take advantage of momentum. I mean, Pew also is doing pretty good on the on the national team stage too. Boy, is she! Damn. I mean, we will She's... definitely talk about that in a minute. But, whew. and then the last game of the weekend, all the goals finally just bing bang boom, Chicago Portland. How many heart attacks did you have watching this three two game? A few. A few different heart attacks. Um, I honestly don't really remember the order that the goals happened. Care to refresh my memory? All right. So Lindsay Horan opens it up early. Remember the ninth minute goal? She, yes. She gets that. It's like at just the top of the box. a no look. It's like a no look, just volley. Yeah. She just pivoted and then kind of scooped it into the mm-hmm. opposite corner. And then mm-hmm. uh, Mott scores 31st minute. Sink scores, and then she gets the PK to put them up, and then Mott scored again to bring them within one, and then they just kind of, you know, fought over the last 25 minutes of the game. That sinky brace. Sinky brace. <laughs> Man. Oh, braces. Oh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. She was feeling it. But then what, what I find adorable is she was feeling it, and then she just ran out of gas. And you saw, like, two runs where she just, like, was basically walking compared to the other players. I feel like even just two years ago, Sink was still, she was slowing down a little bit, but she was still pretty sturdy late in the game. And then maybe, finally, age is catching up to her? Maybe, or maybe she's realizing, like, there's no reason to turbo right now. Yeah, that, or, or it could be that. I would prefer to believe that. Let's go with that story. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm of the opinion that she is saving the turbo for when she needs it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you predicted a 3-2 game just <laughs> with the wrong teams. Right? But you did say Portland, we, we both said Portland would win, but... Yeah, we both get points. Yeah. Uh, it's just neither one of us gets the points for actually guessing the right score. Neither of us, we weren't, neither of us was remotely close. I said one nothing, and you said 2 nothing, so I was really yeah, wrong. Yeah, we just, we, we front-loaded, and we <laughs> need to realize that NWSL needs a bit of a warm-up. They need fluffer matches. <laughs> we just, like, went in head-first, like Pete Rose, and we should have... We... Uh... We went in head first, and we didn't realize that there needs to be some. Um... You got to pace yourself. Yeah. And then, and you, can... you know, maybe maybe lifetime is the one screwing us up, though, because lifetime game of the week is always early. Or maybe lifetime is dictating the rhythm, because lifetime is the one where the movie is like everything builds until literally the last three minutes, and then like they have this huge 
like all of a sudden everything is resolved and then like in the last minute like everyone is going on about their lives as though you know someone hasn't seduced someone's mom and then been shot by a cop i mean maybe but <laughs> that was a weird that was a weird story to reference but yeah maybe it was not a weird story to reference i catch like the last 10 15 minutes of the lifetime movie of the week and that's always what happens someone has seduced someone else they were the wrong person and then a detective or a cop pops up shoots the person and then like that's it (laughs) okay we'll let you keep watching your lifetime movies my stories I need my stories. stories. <laughs> you have your stories on Lifetime. Oh my god, you really are an old lady. The Henry Cell games, those are my stories. Oh my god. Okay, in the stories, like, who's the ultimate bad guy then in NWSL right now? Or maybe not bad Mark guy, Parsons. just antagonist. <laughs> Mark Parsons. I mean, he got, he got that suspension. They overturned half of it. Um, he, he is the first coach to get suspended this year, right? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, Laura Harvey didn't get fined for her comments about the refereeing on Twitter. So. She's figured it out. She left the question mark. Yeah, you just make it a question. If you answer it Jeopardy style, they won't fine you. Yeah, they, they're like, Laura, are you insulting the ref? She's like, no, I was asking a, le- a legitimate question. Did you see that the Royals um, are miking Harvey for practices? Yeah, I thought that was a great video, and I wish more of the teams would do that. Maybe I, I, maybe not yeah. all teams with all coaches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There are not enough censors in the world for a few of them. Yeah, but maybe Tom Sermani. Um, I think Mark would be okay. Uh, I think Denise Reddy might be fun to mic. So. I think Blacko would be funny. Yeah. Yeah, Parsons is, I guess... So finally the story came out on Twitter from Merritt Paulson. Surprise, surprise. I thought it was going to be Nadine. You you thought Nadine Unger was going to spill the beans? My, na- my, my money was on Nadine for spilling the beans. Yeah. So Paulson sent out on Twitter that allegedly Parsons, when he was going to shake hands with the ref, he threw grass at him. Like a handful of grass or whatever. I don't know if it was like, you know, torn up blades of grass or was it like a clump of sod? It was probably just torn up blades of grass. This sounds petty <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Which honestly is right up my alley. Part of me part of me is kind of hoping that there's footage of him just like stewing and like, like you know when you're a little kid and you're sitting in the grass and you just kind of like create a little mountain? Mm-hmm. But like angry clucking of grass. Well, I also want to know from my mental image, like, how did Parsons do it? Did he premeditate it? Or did he see the ref like he saw Red? He just bent down, yanked up a handful of grass, and he goes up to him and then, like, tosses it. Also, how did he toss it? Did he toss it overhand? Or did he just flick it at him? Or did he, like, open his hand and blow? Like I kind of I kind of want, want it in my, in my scenario. Mark Parsons is walking up, and he has a handful of blades of grass. Uh-huh. Blades of grass. Grass blades. <laughs> handful and of blades. <laughs> and, 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 like, he gets up there, and he uh, just kind of does, like, uh, uh, toss and run away. <laughs> yeah, also, what about the aftermath? You know, what do you right? do? 
Like you, he got ejected. He got a red card, so he he must have stayed there and done something. Like, do you think he just stood there and like dropped the blades of grass, like the guy drops the salt on the things? Oh, you mean uh, that chef, the salt bay? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Also, throwing grass, like even if you throw it really hard overhand, like go outside and pick a handful of grass and toss it and see how far (laughs) it goes. I bet not a single blade of it touched the ref unless he was like right in their face. It's like, Mark, (laughs) what a useless petty gesture. I want him to make it make it rain. Grass. You guys should bring big bags of grass clippings to the next Thorns game, and whenever they score, you just, like, throw it out like confetti on him. So I cannot tell you how many thoughts I've had about, like, confetti and fetti and just, like, tying grass to confetti. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys should like, definitely make your confetti green, oh. at least. Make it green. Yeah, and it's... Uh, uh, it's petty. It's so petty, but oh my god, it needs it needs to be a thing. A big tifo, Mark Parsons with a lawnmower. Yes. God, god. there's, uh, there's lot, so many this questions. Is, this is why. So okay, let's say this that that match had happened in Providence Park and we had seen the same result. Does he pick up a a, a handful of pellets? <laughs> the crumbs, like the little rubber crumbs. Like Just... like that would actually do some damage. Those can sting. Yeah. Right? Like, if he threw pellets. I could see getting multiple game suspension for throwing pellets. And that shit gets everywhere. But right? At least with the grass. <laughs> it's not gonna go anywhere. It's so fucking petty. <sighs> I love it. I love it. Mark, you idiot. <laughs> okay. Um... The, but the other thing that came out of that game, so that was the negative thing. The good thing was that was a double header with Chicago Fire and the Portland Timbers. What was the scoreline for Timbers Fire? Two uh, two. Okay. Um, the thing is, attendance was thirteen thousand six hundred seventy eight, and then afterwards, John Halloran tweeted out that Red Stars got forty percent of the gate. Um, for the first time ever. Yeah. So it was a proper double header. They got a cut of the tickets. And the people I talked to who were there said, you know, definitely over half the crowd stayed for the the next game. So that's a pretty good number for Chicago. Even if only half stayed, that's, you know, 7,500, almost 7,000. It's not a bad number for Chicago anyway. Not too shabby. Yeah. It was cold as fall, so. Mm. Kudos kudos to anybody who actually did the doubleheader. Um, I heard it was horribly cold that was nwsl weekend and then in the fifa break we of course had two friendlies against mexico are you still in your u.s soccer boycott did you watch either of these games i watched the second one because i was at a bar waiting for the timbers to implode oh sorry buddy so i saw the second one i saw the match in houston where they almost built the snowman that i mean technically at least there were eight goals Uh total there were eight goals, yes. Yes, but I was kind of expecting the U.S. to build the snowman. The The second game, the United States clearly had Mexico's number. They learned a lot from the first game. The first game, they only won 4-1, to one, I guess. But at the same time, like, you know, three of those goals kind of came in a flurry. Mexico was just, like, in a daze, but then they recovered. I thought 
you know, Mexico was a decent counterpuncher for both of these games, actually. Now, the scorelines were shitty, obviously, but you could see moments, they were picking their moments to really just counterattack. And, you know, they did score three goals on us. Mm-hmm. They exposed some critical weaknesses, particularly in set-piece defending. And I think they kind of gave Andy Sullivan a pretty rough time of it in the first game. I think she demonstrated she's not quite consistent enough to be taking, for example, Julie Ertz's place. Like, we really miss Julie Ertz. I really hope this is learning. And I know that's a tall ask, but mm. I really hope there's learning happening. From Jill Ellis? Mm-hmm. I don't know. When people show you who they are, believe them. <laughs> like, that sucks. Um, How long do you think we're going to be stuck with her? Until after the World Cup, at minimum. Doesn't her contract run until after the World Cup? U.S. soccer doesn't care about contracts. That's true. I mean, even if they had to buy her out, she makes max with bonuses 300-some a year, maybe? Yeah. They could easily buy out the remainder of her contract if they wanted to. But on on the good side, well, do you want to do good news or bad news first? Bad news. All right, bad news. None of our keepers really looked especially good. Nayer looked weird. Um, Campbell looked young and inexperienced because she is young and inexperienced. And Ashlyn Harris didn't get enough time and goal for anyone to make any judgments about her either way. Yeah. So... Yeah, our one, two, and three are not really inspiring much confidence right now. I don't think Jill Ellis is really going to give A.D. French or Abby Smith a real look, but I can hope. I mean, that's what gets you in trouble in sports is hoping, but I yeah. do it anyway. It's it's one of those things that you really hope that Jill Ellis is literally in test mode. You hope that at some point we will see the A team. I don't, I actually, I was going to say, I think she's figured out some parts, but I don't think she has. I think that the players that are firing in all cylinders here are in an upswing right now. It's the natural rhythm of a career, right? You'll have peaks and valleys. And I think Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, and Mal Pugh are all having really good moments in their careers, but I'm not eager to particularly give Jill Ellis much credit for that. Right. I think all three of them are independently brilliant on their own and I think a lot of coaches have built careers on the backs of you know the superior athletes that participate mm -hmm. in our women's national team program so yeah that is the good news Rapino, Morgan and Pew they look like the front line that we want to have that's a that's a world cup quality front line right now I think almost just about but midfield good um Need some work. Defense, uh, okay for what yeah. it was. Well, I mean, but, think about the outside backs, though. Yeah, it was okay for what it was. Like, if you if you're asking to judge that defense actually as a defense, like, no, not really. If right. you're judging the defense as like two defenders and then two other players like jammed into the defense, okay. Eh. They didn't like have too many outright howlers, at least as defenders. But they weren't, they weren't doing their job. Well, here's the thing. I think Jill Ellis is not really going to back off of this because I think she really likes a defense where she can have three sit and alternate which outside back pushes high. So she likes 
this configuration where she has essentially three center backs and then she can push Dunn high whenever she wants. But if she has to, Sonnet's definitely capable of attacking, right? She's done it before as a center back, although not necessarily as an outside back. If she has to, then she can, you know, have Dunn sit and push Sonnet higher, but she prefers to overload that left side through, uh-huh. like, Dunn, Haran, Rapino. I think she really likes that configuration, so I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. It's it's not necessarily the worst idea, it's just that Jill Ellis sometimes isn't very good at executing ideas. Correct. I think a lot of times she lacks the next step. She's like, okay, on paper this looks great. But it's like, okay, how is it actually going to happen? Yeah. Like, you can't just, as good as these players are, you just can't put them on the pitch and expect your vision to make sense. Like, you have to practice them going through the motions. You have to enable them to see what those different opportunities are. Here's two questions for you. One, what happens when Casey Short is better? Uh Uh-huh. And I guess to a certain extent, Kelly O'Hara. And two, what happens when Tobin Heath gets better, if she ever does? Because that poor kid has had some long-ass recovery times. I think I think Tobin gets better. I think uh, the thing that happens is it's going to take time for Short and Heath to actually get back into this roster. Not to say that they won't make it into the 18, but... Short is going to have to, I mean, she's she's relatively new. She's going to have to figure out, okay, does she go back into the spot she was, or does she now need to find a new way to fit in? And then Tobin, just she has to figure out how to gel. Part of the problem with Tobin's injury is that she isn't even traveling with the women's national team. She's not in a camp. The women's national team isn't coming to Portland. Yeah, there are times when Tobin's also in L.A. at the same time that that the national team is, but Tobin is an excellent player when she has an opportunity to gel with the other people on the pitch. It just feels like it's going to take a long time. Her last Instagram, she's literally on crutches, and she has a foot in a cast. So it'll be a while, and in the meantime, this midfield is moving on without her. The midfield is not Tobin's style either. The midfield is fast, right? They're not a hold and be tricky. So Tobin's going to have to change the style of play she uh, she is adopting as well. I don't know that they're necessarily not hold and be tricky because there's... Yes, they're, they're, they're wanting a lot of really quick one and two touch. And we saw some of that against Mexico. Some of it was really nice, actually. You know, they were asking Brian and Haran and Allie Long to really get that ball pinging around. And Carly Lloyd, you know, did a lot of very quick shuttling with the ball at her feet, trying to go between the lines. I I don't necessarily know that that's not something that would mesh with Tobin's style. A couple years ago, I think I might agree with you. But, you know, Tobin's kind of grown up a little. We've seen, you know, when she had that really great season with Portland, I think we saw her really Two maturing years ago? three yeah. years ago yeah and growing up and and showing that she could be someone who can reliably move the ball 
quickly and intelligent ways. We'll see. I, I definitely think once she gets better, she's not automatically in the lineup. She's going to have to work right. her way back in. That's strange to think. I mean, we were already kind of in that era, but approaching an era without Tobin Heath in Potentially. your midfield. Yeah. I mean, if she doesn't, if she doesn't fix herself, <laughs> if she doesn't get healthy, it's unfortunate, but what, what do we do? Yeah. We've got a lot of midfield talent on deck. It's just a matter of figuring out how to optimize them. Okay. Now I guess we're ready to get back to NWSL. The one thing that I really want to happen right now, though, is actually I want Boston Breakers season ticket holders to get their refunds coming back to NWSL. I think the way that the league and Boston Elite Soccer LLC, like the company that was formed to manage the Breakers, I think the way that this has been handled has been unacceptable. They both... NWSL has repeatedly said, you know, there's legal issues here. We just can't comment on it. But it's part of a pattern with them where they refuse to speak. So they make things worse and fans fill in the blanks with their own theories. And the league Uh looks like it can't find its own butt with two hands and a flashlight. Even if they were like even more clearly like, honestly, guys, there's a legal issue here. So we really can't comment on it like. Instead of just going, we understand you're frustrated, but no comment. I think they need to just be honest. Be honest. Right. I agree. People are out. I put down a $200 deposit for season tickets. I have friends who pay three, $600. I talked to one fan who spent nearly $3,000 because she bought three pitch side tickets for her family. It's, it's inexcusable. It is inexcusable. It is something that this should have been part of the exit strategy. Exactly. Right? Like, it makes me extremely happy for a dispersal draft and that players are, for the most part, taken care of. But it's extremely shitty. It puts a a horrible scar on the face of this league um, that that the league is allowing this to happen. You and I talked about it earlier, but it seems like there should be some kind of clause in whatever contract rules the relationship between club and league where, like, if a club fails, which party is responsible for debts? Mm-hmm. And what and, and which debts, you know? Um, because the, the sense that I get, this is my, just my theory, it's not backed up by anything, but, but them talking so much about we're in discussion with Boston Elite LLC and there's a legal issue then my theory is they're fighting over who has to pay those debts because it's not just the season ticket holders. We remember the breakers were behind on payments. So they've got creditors who are probably coming calling with their hands out first. And I think we know in those situations that business creditors usually get paid back first while, you know, fans get pushed to the end of the line. Right. It, it's, it's just, it's discouraging to me to think that, that's what's holding this up and that, you know, they're fighting over that when maybe there should have been provisions in contract law or whatever that kind of govern the situation. I don't know. Well, there should have been provisions from the second that the team was folding. I I don't know. So I don't think it's that much money either. I don't think Boston, 
I would feel comfortable in saying Boston has under 500 season ticket holders. Probably okay. more in the three to 400 range. And let's say that... So I know some of them got pitch side. There's not actually a lot of pitch side available. There's probably 20 or less pitch side seats that are actually being paid for by people. The rest, like, were owner seats or, or giveaways or whatever. So well. let's say there's... So one pitch side seat was almost $1,000, like it's about 900 something. So if we had 15 pitch side, that's basically almost $15,000, right? Right. Um, and then that probably leaves you with, let's say, 400, 400 regular season ticket holders. And if they each paid the minimum, like me, $200... That's $80,000, but of course there are more expensive categories, like uh, category one's like 300 some. So even if every single one of us had bought that expensive ass category one, that comes out to about $130,000, $140,000 for 400 season ticket holders. And then you add in 15000 pitch side, let's round up to $150,000. I mean, maybe in NWSL that actually is a lot of money, or if the league pays it, then it sets a precedent that they're on the hook for other breakers' debts. Or, you know, if another team folds, God forbid, then they, they're on the hook once again for season ticket holder repayment instead of the club taking care of that. So, yeah, I get there's a lot of factors here, but God, can you guys, like, communicate better? You've had, this is the sixth season, and every single season there's something that you just don't talk to the fans about. So the fans all yell at you and get angry and frustrated, and it's, like, the only thing right. that they can talk about. Because there is a black box. Nobody likes a black box. Lock box, and we'll take the money and we'll put it in the lock box. Right. <laughs> is that a reference that our younger listeners are going to get? I don't, like, I barely get it. Do we have younger listeners? Oh. Oh. I'm just saying, we're, <laughs> we're a couple old ladies here. We are old. Oh, my God. It is it is 9.30 in Portland, and I am exhausted. It's 12.30 a.m., and actually, I'm fine, but I have severe insomnia, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have been in so many meetings today. Yeah. I am ready to go to bed as soon as we are done recording this. The other day? And we really only have one more thing yeah. to get to. Yeah, the other day I was like uh, squatting down, I was holding a box, and as I stood up, I made that old people noise. You know what I'm talking about? That, ugh. 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 Just like. Yeah, my... I make it every morning when I come down my two little stairs from my bed. Yeah. Also, I have to pee a lot at night now. Like, if I have even a thimble full of water before bed, I have to go like two, three times before I can go to sleep. It's not great. Yeah, you're making me regret uh, drinking all of this water tonight. Oh, you needed it. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to teams that still exist in NWSL. <laughs> moving moving on to current events that right. are not of the legal persuasion. Score predictions. We're back to make more wrong score predictions. Starting off with Utah Royals at home hosting Chicago Red Stars on Saturday. Who you got? It's It's... It's interesting because it's Utah's first home game. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like they're going to be super jazzed, super pumped. So I'm going to say two to one Utah. Chicago lost their last lost. game against Portland. 
Yep. They're traveling They tied now. before that mm-hmm. against Houston. I'll call this 1-1 one, one tie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. I have a little less uh, faith in next, Utah. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. I have a little less faith in Utah than you do, so. Well, you know, I am I have a little bit of a crush. So Aww. maybe maybe it'll go away very soon once they embarrass me a few times. You like Laura Harvey, huh? Uh, you know what? If she's not playing for Seattle, if she's not on the Seattle squad, she. I'm really into the uh, the live mic that they had. Yeah, it's great. Um, next match uh, is in DC. Uh, Washington is hosting. It's not DC. It's in Maryland, uh, and Washington is hosting North Carolina, who. Number one team in the league, uh, top of the top of the table. What what are you thinking for that one? Spirit are rising. I think Spirit uh, are third, rising. Third and... in the league, um, but they're coming off a loss. You've no, talk... they're they're coming off a win. Never mind. You've talked before about momentum, and I think Spirit are building while Courage are struggling to maintain an even keel. They're struggling to bring what they had last season into this season, and Spirit at home. I think this is going to be, I'll call this 2-1 for Washington. I think that's, all it's, right. it's bold, but I it might, you know? I'm going to say this one is 2-2. Two two. Yeah, I think we might see some goals in this game. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Maybe. Maybe some. We always jinx those, though. Yeah. The games that we think there are going to be goals, we're, those are always like... Oh, are we front-loading too much? Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the next one is Sky Blue FC, so Jersey, uh, first home match in Jersey, um, and they're welcoming Vladko and the Seattle Rain. What do you What do you think for this one? Sky Blue hasn't looked awful in their one game, but Seattle. Oof, can anybody stop Megan Rapinoe right now? We'll see. I'm gonna call this uh, two to nothing for Seattle. Aww. I'm going to call this uh, one-to-one. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to hope uh, Sky Blue can do something. And then last game of the weekend, once again, maybe everything's going to happen in the Thorns game. Portland's home opener against Orlando Pride. How you feeling? What you got? Mm, I, I want to know how Lindsay Horan is doing. Uh, calf strain. I, calf strain I really wish that we recorded after the um, injury well, report. Comes well, it out. won't be out for another four days, so suck it up, Buttercup. I know. Um, Don't forget. I'm going to say 3 to 1 Portland. Alex Morgan's back for Orlando. 3 to 1 Portland. Okay. What do you think? I think Portland's going to win, but I think Orlando's going to get some. <laughs> but i don't know if i don't know if portland has three in them right now especially if Lindsay haran is iffy so here's the thing it's a home opener uh-huh. for portland um so that means portland has it in them i'll call this three to two for portland oh boy a repeat of last week huh yeah just so you can have more kittens I'm going to have so many kittens. Okay. All the kittens! So those are our score predictions. 
We'll see how horribly wrong they are. We should like look at standard deviation or something at the end of each season. Just see how how far off we are from the the, the actual scores. Like we should. I mean, we're hit or miss though. Like some of them, the ones that we think are going to be boring are actually the most exciting. So it's not like we're consistently overstating which match is yeah. entertaining or not. We'll see. I hope that Portland does win at home, at least, if only so that you're in a good mood when I go see you in May. <laughs> well, we have two matches, two two home games, and oh. I hope that I hope that Portland, uh, uh, you know, it, it has, brings a little bit of that uh, that love and feeling back to Providence Park. Actually, I'm going to be at that Sky Blue game. I'm going to travel down with a friend. Um, oh yeah? yeah, with a friend, huh? Yeah. And go see my very first live NWSL game of the season. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Wow. As it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, "This sounds really sad." It's it sadder and sadder. It absolutely does. All right. But well, at least your first NWSL game of the season is an important one. That's true. What? As as much as I would love to have you for the home opener. I mean, I was going to come see you guys on 420, but... You absolutely were, and I'm shocked that you're not doing that. A little too on the nose. I decided to come see you when Seattle was in town, so may the 5th be be with you. Oh, God. Okay. Okay.